ever stop to think how we sin? Where and how does it all begin? Is there such a process that goes on, and if there is, can it be terminated along the way so it is not executed? We've all experienced committing terrible things, letting go of unkind words, or thinking of wicked thoughts that we've regretted afterwards. But during those moments it seemed like the whole thing was beyond our control, and that we were powerless to stop it. The following verses tell us how powerful sin is, that even in Adam and Eve's first children, Cain committed murder even if God had already warned him. This is what it says in Genesis 4 1-9. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The wisdom of a child. One night, my six-year-old granddaughter, Cannell, sat by my side, wrapped in attention I was telling her the story of Abel and Cain. As I unfolded the plot of the story, she would stop me and pose questions on meanings of words, or for explanations on the character's actuations. Often, I would have to improvise with extra-biblical details without leaving the truth of the story just for her to get a grasp on what's happening. She understood what a farmer is, but not a shepherd. I explained to her why Cain and Abel sacrificed, and why God accepted Abel's but not Cain's. She listened intently all the way to the part of Cain's jealousy, God's warning to him, to Cain's murder of Abel, and finally to the part where God asked Cain where his brother was. God asked Cain, where is Abel your brother? To which he replied, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? After explaining to her what a brother's keeper is, and using that definition to rephrase Cain's reply to God, Cannell's eyes widened, and her jaws dropped in shock. She exclaimed, he's supposed to take care of his younger brother. Her innocent understanding profoundly struck me, not that because a six-year-old child knew the responsibility of an older brother towards a younger brother, but how her response contrasted with that of this full-grown man, Cain, who seemed to not know this, or whose heart is so hardened that he no longer considered Abel as his brother. How does IT work? In the first chapter of his letter to the Jews, the Apostle James speaks about temptations or trials, that it should be something that should be a source of joy for believers, because God uses these as opportunities for spiritual growth and advancement. Being tempted is not sin, but yielding to temptation is. Then, he goes on to say that God is not the source of temptations, because he does not tempt anybody, and warns his readers not to be mistaken in us. He reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. Thus, he hints at the opposite but unstated truth, that every evil and imperfect thing is from hell below, and from the devil. Here is James speaking in James 1 14-15. But every man is tempted, when he is drawn away of his own lust, and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In the text above, James lays down the nuts and bolts of how a person sins. And you will note that there is no mention of the devil here. Many Christians give too much credit to the devil and give him undeserved glory, when we only need to look inwardly at our own depravity. Here's how it goes, just as what happened to Cain. Drawn away by his own lust. 
The lust is coming from inside our hearts, our thoughts. Before we came to Christ, we were all laden with habitual sins, but there is one, which the writer of Hebrews calls the sin which doth so easily beset us, in Hebrews 12:1. This is the sin of unbelief, because we've been disbelieving God for years, we've rebelled against Him since we can remember. This has taken root in our souls. So when a man allows his mind to wander off from God and the things of God, or even just allows the mind to be idle, it becomes the devil's playground, and the mind of the old self starts to kick in. This is the drawing away action of sin. In Cain's case, he started with noble thoughts, that of worshiping God. His problem was not really with the kind of sacrifice he offered, but rather his heart already had a problem with God. He wanted to worship God in his own way, in his own terms. I say this, because I believe Adam was not remiss with teaching his sons the lessons he learned in Eden. One lesson he might have taught Cain and Abel was the fact that God changed their garments from leaves to that of the skin of an animal that God provided to cover their nakedness. This must have struck Adam as profound, that blood has something to do with being right with God. However, I believe there was more to this than just the presence or absence of blood. I believe quality had everything to do with it. Notice how the Bible records it in Genesis 4 3-4. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering. See that? Cain just brought whatever he could lay his hands on from his crops, whereas Abel selected the firstborn and the fattest from among his herd. Even a human king would be offended if the gift he received was cheap and ordinary. But he'll be enraged if it was defective. On the other hand, he'd be pretty impressed if he recognized the gift as really special and respectful to him. Cain didn't care. Perhaps he thought of worship as a drudge, a burdensome duty, just another chore to be done with. And enticed. This starts to happen when we allow our mind to recall what enjoyment we had while we indulged in those sins. When we allow our imagination freedom, we get entertained by them. This reminds me of an old story of a young man who confessed to his pastor saying, Pastor, I'm struggling with impure sexual thoughts, and can't overcome them. The pastor simply replied, Don't entertain them. To which the young man replied, That's just the problem, Pastor, I don't entertain them, they entertain me. We must have complete control of our mind, or our mind will completely control us. At the very start of any sinful or impure thought, right then and there, squash it underfoot with the name of Jesus. Wash it away with the blood of the Lamb of God. Repeatedly use these mighty spiritual weapons against such thoughts, and it will vanish. Another weapon that works with me is by calling on, or putting on the virtue of Christ that is opposite the temptation. So, for example the temptation is anger, plead and put on the patience, forbearance and long-suffering of Christ. Repeat this in your mind several times. If you employ this in combination with the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ, I can guarantee you victory over all and any evil thought. Although offering from plants was acceptable to God, as we can later see in Leviticus 2.2 and Leviticus 2.16, did Cain actually think he could just go through the ritual of sacrifice mindlessly? Did he actually think God wouldn't mind, as long as he complied with the performing the right? Can one please God by doing ministry even if one's heart is filled with hate for a brother? Perhaps Cain at this point was already entertaining thoughts on how to stop the rejection to his offerings. But his eyes were turned on the competition, his brother. Then when lust hath conceived. At this stage, the tempted person has allowed his imagination to run wild, and not only that, he is conceptualizing ways of how to commit his sin. He has the subject in his mind, and he is just thinking how to execute the plan without the risk of getting caught. He refines this over time, until he is convinced that his plan would work. At this point, Cain is frustrated because none of his offerings are accepted by God. Meanwhile, 
he continues to see Abel's sacrifice accepted by God. Jealous rage filled his mind. Because it was impossible for him to dissuade Abel from stopping his sacrifices, he begins to imagine of how to stop his brother. One option he can think of by killing him. But he would have to find a way to make this undiscoverable. No dead body, no murder, as they say in law even today. This can become just a missing person case. It bringeth forth sin. Now all Cain was waiting for was the exact time to execute his well-conceived plan. When that time comes, he would simply execute it, and his jealousy would be cured. Or so, he hoped. It never crossed Cain's mind that he had already committed sin in his evil thoughts towards his brother. By this time Cain may have turned verbally abusive towards Abel, and might even have threatened him with harm if he didn't stop sacrificing to God. Perhaps by this time he's been bullying his younger brother over many things. And sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It is sad that for most believers, conviction of sin comes only after committing the sinful deed. This does not have to be so, because if we would be sensitive and obedient to the Holy Spirit, and continue to hear and read the Word of God, He will speak to us, and rebuke us, even at the thought level. This is what we can discover in 1 Chronicles 28-9, Psalm 139-2, Isaiah 59-7, Matthew 9-4, Acts 8-22, 1 Corinthians 3-20, 2 Corinthians 10-5, and Hebrews 4-12. This shows how important it is for every believer to master his thoughts. After the plan is executed, the soul immediately experiences its separation from God. It senses God's displeasure, and creates guilt, anxiety, absence of peace, paranoia, even terror, so that he flees even when none is pursuing him. Finally, Cain found the opportunity to kill his brother. That day, he talked mildly and kindly to Abel, so he would not suspect what he is about to do. With no one else in the field, Cain picked up his weapon and delivered the fatal blow. Abel is killed, and Cain is discovered, and once again banished from the presence of God. Scripture does not say if God ever spoke to Cain again, but from the prosperity of Cain, we can surmise that he and his children were left alone to their own sinful ways and devices. What we would read later on in Genesis chapter 4 says something about how Cain's children would be living in fear, distrust, paranoia and of having a vengeful spirit. Listen to what Lamech, one of Cain's sons said in Genesis 4:24, If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. One can just imagine the misery, mistrust and hatred that plagued Cain's family that he brought upon them. What a sad family. Take this home. Sin works only if we allow it to work. Our minds should be our servants, not our master, and use it to find ways to make our acceptable service to God more effective and farther reaching, not for our glory, but for His pleasure. When we do this, and consistently, as a lifestyle, our minds will also normally operate on this righteous mode. Then when we make this a habit and a mental discipline, our minds will light up red lights when spiritual dangers are present in our thoughts. Even when something is amiss in our plans, we won't feel comfortable or confident with it. This is God's way in the Holy Spirit hinting us to step on the brakes in our thoughts and instead put on the mind of Christ in whatever we are contemplating. By doing this, we enslave our minds, and not the other way around. Sinning is an option. Do not err, my beloved brethren.